0: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another Nacho Tuesday, and today I have Benny Rubin. Uh, He is the CEO of Senders, and without further ado, we'd love if you could introduce your company and what you guys do over there.
1: Sure. Andy, nice to hear your announcer voice. (laughs) Thank you. You didn't do that that during our uh, our prep call. I like it. It's really smooth.
0: (laughs) That's for the moments that matter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, hello, everyone, everyone, everyone watching here and afterwards. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it, Andy. Um, Senders helps B2B companies with their cold emailing. We focus mainly on the delivery and sending side. Google, Microsoft, places like that are clamping down on the ability of B2B senders to be able to send their cold emails. We maintain alternate infrastructure that allows companies to send more emails if they need to, but also have more control over them, better deliverability, more granularity on whether they're going to the spam box and things like that. Most of the companies we work with are trying to maintain a B2B outbound motion. They're using Apollo.io, they're using outreach.io, and they're sensing that either emails aren't being able to be sent, like their SDRs are complaining that they're getting flagged by Google or Microsoft, or they have a sneaking suspicion that they're not being delivered properly. And they reach out to our team and we quickly diagnose the problem. And we typically do monthly plans with them uh, based on the number of volume and the number of reps they have sending to completely solve this kind of sending uh, problem. Does that make Nothing sense, did I Andy? Did I do. Okay, I I wanted to give enough detail so people understand where I'm coming from.
0: Well, that's perfect. Yeah, because I think a lot of people have that issue today. You know, I hear I hear a lot of marketers complaining about their uh, response rates from their cold emails really dropping drastically. So it seems to be becoming more of a pervasive issue across the board. So would you would you agree that these uh, email sending and deliverability issues are becoming more commonplace with B two B marketing?
1: Yes. There's a few sort of tectonic plates that are shifting. My team has been doing cold email since 2016 for clients. Yeah. I did it before that for companies that I worked with or worked for or founded. And from 2016 to 2020, it was pretty easy to send cold emails and have them delivered. Yep. Yeah. You could send up, up to 400 emails a day from a single Google workspace without any issue. And... Mm-hmm. Google seemed to be generally okay with it. Things got a little bumpy in 2018 when GDPR was rolled out. And then by 2020, the number of sends was shrunken almost down to 100 or so per day, which might sound like a lot. It depends. Usually people who listen to things like this are either hardcore opt-in marketers where they're like, why are you sending any cold emails at all? Cold emails come from one of the lower levels of hell or you're a B2B (laughs) outbound person or building a B2B SaaS company and you're like, yeah, 100 emails a day, that would be great. We can barely get 25 out. So we've seen it gone from like 400 a day, no problem, down to 100 a day, 2020. 2020, my team said, okay, we need to get all of our stuff off of sending. Like we we can't use, we have to get everything off of Google Workspace. This is untenable. And then now today you hear people who are getting flagged when they send 20 emails, 25 emails, maybe 50 emails. And that's of course a big problem. If you're running a proper SDR team where your third and fourth or fifth or sixth SDRs are the one getting clamped down on. Now you don't just have a sending problem, but you have a, the person can't really do their job. So a lot of the companies that come to us are coming to us with like, Hey, we do need to send more emails, but really like Billy and, and like Sally, they, whether we just hire them and they can't even do their jobs. They're supposed to yep. do 100 emails a day and 100 calls a day. And after 7 emails or 20 emails or something, they're getting suspended. How can we solve it? And the answer really is you have to get your sending off of Google because they're being very clear that they really don't want you sending from there. So yeah. that's a problem that we solve over and over again. And then, of course, in order to solve the problem, you need IP addresses and all this um, all these other mechanics that make the whole machine kind of run. Yep. And Andy, to sort of sum up the issue, what we see is that in the In the past, to have an email infrastructure type Mm. expertise was reserved for Series B and later, like very large companies. And then that expertise has kind of crept all the way down to now where we have seed stage companies, obviously a lot of Series A and Series B, but seed stage companies also paying us monthly to handle Mm. this for them. When in the past, they never even would imagine that they would have to deal with email, like pay for email infrastructure, this kind of thing. Um, for expertise in this until much, much later.
0: Yeah, as they say, easy come, easy go, right? So with Apollo, Apollo.io and the uh, proliferation of the ability to actually get data for people, um, a lot more people have jumped into cold email marketing. It's created yep. a lot of problems. <laughs> like we were talking earlier about spam calls and whatnot, but you know, spam emails are also a problem too, right? So you know, it yeah. makes sense. Well, to- I mean, if
1: you're a legitimate business sender, Mm -hmm. And you can easily get the data from Apollo.io or ZoomInfo or something. The illegitimate folks can get the same thing. So that creates issues. And then um, cost per lead has gone up across the board, like what you used to be able to get from LinkedIn or Google Ads and these other places. And email is de facto free, so it Mm -hmm. attracts a lot of people to that space. But, you know, honestly, the thing that surprises me the most is that cold email still works. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people on the internet, like on LinkedIn or whatever, might say, you know, cold email doesn't work anymore, or cold email works. Or could... Almost no one has the kind of super wide, three dimensional 4K view or 8K view of cold email like our team does, because we're handling it for dozens and dozens and dozens, 60, 70 companies at a time are working with us. So we can definitively say that cold email is definitely working for a large group of B2B. Uh, senders. And for a other s- sector of the market or other sections, it's not working that well. So it's sort of like it works very well and it also doesn't work well. Probably the same thing with cold calling or almost any other kind yep. of B2B outbound motion. Um, there's like a lot of variation. And the same thing goes with sending and delivery. If you're trying to email into giant hospital systems, you're probably going to have problems. Yeah, Why? Because they have very high security for good measure. And if you're emailing into early stage B2B companies or early stage SaaS companies, probably not that hard to get through.
0: Yep, but they don't have the big budgets.
1: <laughs> Potentially they don't have the big budget or that's just not your target market. Yeah. So you have to think yes. a lot about you know all these things. We, we try to keep a very wide view and we see our position as enabling the teams that know who they need to send and why to yep. do the sending that they need to. And we rarely get involved too much in the copy and the targeting and things like that because that's really the realm of Marketing people, sales people, rev ops people, people that are more understanding of the target market they're going after.
0: What what kind of uh, increases do you guys generally see across the board once you know they go from a program where they're kind of running things through Google to working with you guys to kind of help with their email deliverability?
1: That's a good question. The there's sort of two ways to think about this. There's the painkiller side and there's the vitamin side. Almost mm-hmm. all the companies that come to us, it's because they have some sort of pain. Yeah. So we go into painkiller mode. We're not really thinking too much about vitamin. The the vit- It's it's sort of like I always joke that if you are a knee doctor or something, mm-hmm. almost no one goes in and they're like, "Doctor, my knee's in great shape. Look.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, why are you here? You know what I mean? It's like why, why are I'm you?
0: Do you have bionic knees? <laughs> right. Right.
1: but So so people come to us and they have some sort of problem. The the. Benefit is they now can send the emails that they actually need to get sent. Yeah. And if those have healthy open rates and uh, uh, healthy deliverability, they're really enthusiastic, yeah. whether that actually is is a higher open rate than they would have had had Google worked very, very well. Well, that's sometimes tough to say. And sometimes it's on par and sometimes it's a little bit less but ultimately you can get more volume out. So even if there was a two to 5% differential in open rates from one system versus another, you can still make up the difference and and hit the numbers. Also, most like very, very sort of productive sales teams have three ways that they're doing outbound. They're doing emailing, they're doing phone call and they're doing LinkedIn. Yeah. So on a sort of net net basis, Oftentimes what we're seeing is by working with us, they're able to get more of the email part out consistently, which drives opens of the email, which can drive triggers to do phone calls, which can drive triggers to do LinkedIn outbound, which can ultimately boost all their numbers across the board. But whether you're really attributing it to like our magic or just our ability to sort of make the pain go away um, is is an open question, I would say.
0: Definitely. What, what got you kind of get down this path? So you said you were consulting with a lot of clients and you kind of realized there was a bigger pervasive issue and you wanted to go solve that problem or.
1: Well, remember, remember when we were chatting about questions earlier and you had a question about like failure or something like that. And I summarily erased it. I was like, I don't want to talk about failure, (laughs) Um, but the truth is that I had a, a, I had a marketing services company that I built and sold and, my co-founder and I were like, we are geniuses. Look at us. We're so smart. So we decided to start a software company Uh and the software company, we raised some money from angels. We did a very good accelerator. We, we did everything right. A lot Mm -hmm. of outbound, a lot of really good leads, even some deals with large retailers and all this stuff. We were building software early in the um, uh, influencer marketing space but we ultimately couldn't make it work and we had to shut it down so it was like a big failure
0: man i feel like i was doing the same thing i had an influencer marketing platform in 2011.
1: (laughs) yeah wow yeah yeah
0: first uh, software i built too so a lot of learning lessons there (laughs) wild world now if you're just stuck in that business it would have been so successful i know right yeah i got laughed at in VC meetings like nobody's going to be shills for brands i'm like what (laughs) now everybody's begging for it
1: (laughs) yeah it's wild it's wild how um Doing things early can sometimes.
0: Time is important.
1: But what I was going to say is. When we failed. I basically turned my attention to all my founder friends. And -hmm. I just like you guys know me. What am I good at that you need help with? And enough of them were. Hey you need help with cold email. Because that's a pain for all these reasons. And so I said okay. I'll start a cold email up on agency. That sounds fine. So in 2016 Mm -hmm. I started an agency that did it. And then by 2020. We had gotten really good at sending. And other guys had gotten really good at other things, but we had gotten really good at sending. And so then we doubled down on on that. And then we built out the part of the business that really just cares about email infrastructure and yeah. that, that part. And that's sort of where we are today. I'm not sure how we'll pivot in the future. There might be more dimensions to this that we might get into. But yeah. as of now, helping people with email sending and delivery is a really important job. We really yeah. feel like it's sort of a... A really important piece of enablement for teams that are trying to do it. And we only work with legitimate business senders. So proper SaaS platforms and folks that have something very normal to sell. We're not working with like scammer type folks at all. And we don't allow them to send from our infrastructure. So we find the work to be pretty gratifying, even if all in all, most people would wish that they got fewer cold emails.
0: Yeah, maybe somebody's got to do it though, right? And I, I think the demand's heavier than ever because um, a lot of marketers, like I mentioned, I talk to, uh, do have this consistent problem with uh, cold email deliverability. A lot yeah. of times, they don't know if their emails are even getting into the inbox. They're just not seeing any sort of uh, demo bookings, phone calls. They're not. That's seeing a problem. Those folks it. should reach out
1: to us, and we can talk with them.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's what. What else? What other kind of issues do you see with the uh, email deliverability, or or things that uh, companies should look out for? I think that
1: there's any sudden changes in numbers that were once pretty consistent Mm -hmm. probably means that there might be something wrong. Yeah. For example, your domain has accrued bad reputation or someone on your team is doing something they really shouldn't be doing, like they're dumping emails or something. The other thing that's a little bit of a left field thing that most people don't really think about is who else inside your company is doing emailing from... The main domain yeah so there are basically four kinds of email there's your regular corporate day-to-day email that you might send from you know benny uh, from you know benny at senders.co or something then there's sales emails which are like the cold emails those are like the really damaging ones which if you're also sending from that same domain that's a problem and then you have marketing emails your email newsletter and things like that which if you're also sending from your same domain brings sending problems and then you have your uh, transactional emails, things that are yeah. coming from inside the application layer, password resets, things like that. If all of those are going out from the same domain, you run mm-hmm. into issues or you can run into issues. Yeah. And oftentimes your cold emails are destroying the sending from other parts of your, your stack. So one of the things we do is spend a lot of time with clients, which we call it email fencing, where we're creating divisions between all of them. Oftentimes, you don't need them to be separate domains that can be done with subdomains. Yeah. So that's part of the part of the equation uh, in in this mix. But what I was going to say is you need to look at what's happening with your own sending. And then you need to sort of look around your company and say, yeah, what else is going on with sending? What other issues could be causing this? Sometimes you'll find the root of the issue isn't even in the cold email at all. It's uh, Mm -hmm. the marketing team sent out a really Mm -hmm. clever email newsletter. And in the last minute, they put a bitly link instead of a regular UTM parameter link. And that redirect caused a bunch of the market emails to go to spam. And that brought down the cold email sending and other things, too. Like that kind of thing. So it contamination in a way.
0: Yeah, a lot of people are using uh, different like subdomains, like you mentioned, for a cold outbound. So they might have a domain that's very similar, but anything they can do to you know make sure that you're not hurting the main company's uh, domain reputation, because once you lose that, then you kind of lose everything.
1: Is, there is potential. But keep in mind, people go overboard with these things, too. They create too many domains. They widen them out too far. Yeah. Um, if you think about a very large company like UPS, they have maybe five domains that they use in total, and they're sending who knows how many emails hundreds of millions yeah so you don't need to have dozens and dozens dozens of domains and all this different stuff i think that's that's sort of a that introduces other problems yeah for example where the internet ceases to understand who the real you is versus someone pretending to be you
0: uh-huh.
1: um and then they don't they're they become reluctant to deliver your emails even though you're like i swear it's me and like yeah but there are <laughs> There are 20 domains that look very similar to yours that all say very similar things. We don't know if it's the real you and you're like, I swear it's me. And there's no mechanism to tell the internet, no, no, this is the real me. And those are all me, but also sales emails or something. So, um, there's also a risk at spreading out too far. It's a happy balance somewhere in there.
0: True. Any, any other tips for improving deliverability? It's
1: a good question. I think that you can't overlook the importance of SPF DMARC DKIM.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: which is email infrastructure on the, on the domain uh, on the DNS side. Um people oftentimes say, oh, we have SPF, but the other one's like, we'll do later or something. I'm like, mm, no, you probably should integrate all of them properly. Make sure that they're for, properly aligned.
0: Yeah. Oh, for the people that don't understand these terms, uh, would you mind elaborating on that? Cause uh, I swear still to this day, a lot of people don't know what it means. <laughs> sure.
1: DNS records are, Well, let's tell a story because it's more fun. Imagine you had a six-year-old child and you told your six-year-old child, if I can't come pick you up from school, I'm going to send someone else to pick you up from school. Uh And whoever that person is, they're going to tell you the secret word. Uh And if they don't know the secret word, run back into the school and tell your teacher, you know, that that uh, someone weird is here and the stranger danger. That's basically what SPF, DMARC and DKIM do. You're you're sending your email with a secret key. Mm -hmm. That's DKIM. You have half the key. That's like the sort of password or whatever. And you're you're giving instructions on what to do if the secret keys don't match up. That's basically what DMARC is. And SPF sort of fits in there too. It's it's hard to make a story that fits all three of these, but basically it's sort of like a passport or a, a, a secret code that lets the recipient know that it was actually you who sent it. And the thing that these are trying to prevent against is me going up to the edge of the internet and saying, I'm from bank of America, here's an email from me and, and pretending to be a bank that's then trying to steal your money or something. So it's, that's called spoofing. So it's trying to prevent people from pretending to be someone else over email. And they built all these mechanisms sort of to do that. And uh, those are SPF, DMARC, and DKIM. And they, if you use Google domains or something, those are things you configure in your Google domain settings or in your GoDaddy settings and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, so definitely get that set up before you start your outbound, outbound campaigns. Otherwise, you're going to... Start them end.
1: before you do your marketing emails, before you do your corporate emails, everything. And double check them if you haven't looked at them in a while
0: how often do you find businesses that don't even get the basics right when it comes to their email marketing? It seems like I've even talked to people that didn't even know, like I mentioned what these terms were and you know, they've been running their business for a while now and you're like, what, how do you not know what that means? Well, I think that
1: they're out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of things are out of sight, out of mind. The, 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 it seems like not to oversimplify, but the project of the internet is to abstract more and more layers. For example, I don't know how old you are, but back in the day, there wasn't even AWS. If you wanted to, you had to do all sorts of things to set up web apps to, to operate. Before that, there weren't even web apps. Everything would have to run locally, you know? So over time, like things have gotten more and more abstract. And I think that when you buy a new domain and you set up a new company and you go through that beginning flow, whatever it is, you think, oh, I'll just click. I'll do this later. And then later never comes. I'm like, that's that. <laughs> you know, same thing yeah. happens when you're doing other other kinds of configuration for an app. You might create a HubSpot account and then you might say, oh, I'll skip that step. I'm not sure what I'm going to call, call the subdomain for uh, housing. It. And then down the road, someone's like, hey, you know, all your forms are broken. And you're like, why? It's like, because I think somebody went in and they entered a new subdomain for your thing. And you're like, Oh, we had a hundred forms. Now they're yeah. all broken. You know what I mean? It's like the basic stuff you sort of skip because it's so abstract yeah. and it's so easy just to say, oh, I'll do this later and then never circle back around to do it. I, I don't blame anyone for that kind of thing. It's it's There's so much minutiae in setting up a company, setting up marketing, setting up this, setting up that, that you can't really blame someone if they have five email subscribers for not setting up a subdomain for email sending from day one. I doubt it was even something they considered. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the details matter though, to, to your point, it does, and it does build up over time, right? Everything that you do needs to be built on a good foundation. So it's better to just kind of check the boxes yeah. before you go to market. A lot of founders, especially if they're launching a product a very, or a business in general, get very excited about, you know, going out there and getting sales, you know, even if they have just the most basic of basic MVPs, sure. uh, the next step is always thinking, I'm dollar for doll- dollars to try to build a business here. Yeah. And there's nothing really wrong with that.
1: I mean, mm-hmm. I, I to, in my own personal story, this particular business, we grew well past seven figures in annual recurring revenue before I even chose a name for it. I didn't even have wow. a website for it because it sounds
0: like, it sounds like an agency.
1: <laughs> yeah. Basically agency. Cause it's based on reputation and trust and, and that you put that forward and then people meet with you and they go, Hey, I trust you to do the thing you're saying you're going to do.
0: Yep. Um, and especially for marketers I've seen, it's, uh, like, a the the roofer's roof has no has a leaky roof or whatever. The uh, the cobbler's children have no shoes. They're so focused on helping other people, they don't even uh, take care of their own stuff. That can <laughs> happen
1: for sure. I think that a little bit later down the path, when I did decide to set up a brand and do all that kind of stuff, it obviously was beneficial in other ways. Totally. Um, and my team felt a little bit more a little bit better about it because they felt we were being like, I work for this guy named Benny, and
0: we website. do this. this- yeah.
1: Yeah, it was like you work for some dude and then now like you have a company and it it can take on a little bit of a life of its own.
0: So like call Benny, here's his number. <laughs> Don't ask where I got it.
1: <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, that's kind of how it feels in the early days. I think probably a lot of the people listening are in a similar position. Yeah, so they of the built a business before they knew it. An
0: agency back in the day too and uh very similar kind of a thing just very focused on the clients, you know, just word of mouth referrals. You know, I, I don't even think I had a good website either. It was just terrible. But I was so focused on the on the work with my clients. You know, I did a lot of marketing strategy work. So you know, mm-hmm. all my time, like ten, heck, even back then, I was doing like twelve hour days, just crazy because I had the energy. You know, I still do a lot of work now, but uh, not like uh, back in those days. I think some some weeks I clock like a hundred hours a week.
1: <laughs> yeah, doesn't like, surprise me even a little bit. There's also sword. excitement. Clients, clients can give you energy. I mean, that's. I was talking with a friend yesterday who said, you know, you've been doing this a while. you kind of tired. And it's like, even if you're tired, companies are coming to us with very specific problems that we really understand how to solve. Yeah. And if the price that we charge matches the equation of what they, they're willing to or expecting to pay, it's mm-hmm. magical in a way because we can definitively solve the problem. Like that, there's something really nice about, I, I imagine it's similar if you're, uh, you know, a, a a very necessary job, like a doctor or something, we're obviously not nearly at that level of necessity. But if, yeah. if someone, if a, a doctor nails a really tough diagnosis, and yeah. they're like, the good news is this can be solved, like we can cure you yeah. of this, that must feel really good. I mean, it's still a journey to cure it and everything. But that's a similar feeling that we get when people come to us. And we're like, that's a problem that we know how to solve.
0: Well, you know, give us
1: X amount of time and, and it will be solved. That's really okay. gratifying because they're banging their head against a problem that we know how to solve. Even if at the end of the day, you can sort of throw shade on like, yeah, well, all you're doing is helping people send more cold emails. Mm-hmm. Talk to a RevOps person or a sales ops person that has need- been going down the rabbit hole. For days for hours and hours and hours trying to sort out what went wrong what's going on what tools they need to try to solve this and and then you know we solve it that's they're like wow that was great thank you so much
0: there's a lot of value in that there's a lot of um purpose i guess to it right and one of the reasons i got in marketing myself was to help other people um so by helping their businesses you know you're helping you know, helping that entire company, you're helping their employees have a job. There's a lot of, you know, yeah. Com- there's a lot of dominoes that kind of fall from that, right? So all the work that you do up front. So, you know, as the email deliverability doctor, you know, it really does make a big difference for people.
1: <laughs> Can, if you're having email deliverability problems, yeah. you know, but,
0: it, you know, like we mentioned earlier, it's a core aspect of today's marketing, right? So if it's not yeah. working, you know, you're kind of, if a tree falls in the woods and nobody's around here, did it ever fall? So, same goes for business too, right? Even if not, it's just
1: disappear into the ether. <laughs> yeah.
0: Where do they really go? do. Just I like, keep getting in my down. spam for some reason.
1: <laughs> or not even in your spam. That's getting into spam is sometimes an accomplishment.
0: Yeah, true. You made yeah. it in
1: there. Didn't even get it, didn't even get delivered in any way. I don't
0: even know what's going wrong. Like that's the worst. Is when people don't know why what's going wrong, they just know they're not getting any calls or anything out of it. Yeah. Um, so I guess. Yeah, I guess what what challenges uh, did you face as a company early on and how did you overcome them? I think that we face a very clear challenge always.
1: The, ever, the ever-present the ever challenge is new people come to this problem every day mm-hmm. and this solution is hard to find. Yeah. So I can shout from the rooftops, I can be on a podcast, I can be on a webinar, I can talk all day long to everyone that will listen. But right mm-hmm. now... There are dozens, if not hundreds, of folks that are just in email deliverability hell, Mm -hmm. and they may not find me. They may not find senders. So it's always a challenge, like being knowing that you have a solution that really works for a large swath of businesses. And a lot of businesses are looking for you, but you can Google up, down, left, right.
0: Yeah.
1: The number, the combinations of things you have to hit perfectly in order for my business to come up. Is sort of hard, even though we have pretty good SEO and all these other things, just because there's a lot of people who sell email deliverability ish things Uh that will always pay more to get in front of them or always be pushing that kind of thing. So I think that that being being discoverable in the moment when someone needs it is really the biggest challenge.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and we have a we have a model over here to be everywhere all the time so you know for us we do a lot of these content marketing initiatives We're you know we do outbound emails too and a variety of different tactics but you know you never know when you know you might be in the right place at the right time for the people when they have that problem so it's yeah. very important just to be you know out here you know making some noise about what you guys do telling people that there's a better way uh, because then you never know if the right person's listening and ready for it right then and there um, I mean, we don't all have to throw our money at Google ads when uh, trying to, you know, trying to show up for the right search keywords and spending a bunch of money to, uh, sending a bunch of money to those guys. Right. But yeah. all, all these little things that we do here with content marketing really help. Uh, yeah. we've got a couple of questions here, actually. Questions. Jeez. Yeah. Guys, yeah. leave us alone. Come on. We're trying to have a conversation. Just- yeah. These ones are, uh, yeah, these ones are from left field. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Now. These are great questions actually, by the way, do these guys know you? <laughs> um, so what other basic first steps would you recommend when diagnosing and trying to provide a solution? Um, he has a follow-up question. What other basic first steps would you recommend when diagnosed? Oh, he's expanding on it. Yeah. So I guess what, what uh, steps would you recommend for somebody to diagnose if they have a problem? You me- you mentioned a few earlier. Sure. Um, look that- at your, look at your metrics,
1: look at the email sending metrics you have. If you're seeing a big drop, that's sort of unex- inexplicable, like, uh, you were getting 42% open rates and now it's 35 and then it's 28. You probably are having some sort of deliverability problem. The other side is sendability problem. If you're having trouble sending emails, you'll know. If you're sending from Google, they'll start to, um, they'll, they'll basically cut you off. They'll flag your account and let you know, hey, you sending like you're sending. Uh, that's a sign that you have a sending problem. The only way to correct that problem truly is to extricate all you're sending from google yeah. there's diagnosing dns issues you can use tools like mx toolbox which will give you a readout on what you think you're what was going on with your dns records although and you can also investigate those yourself yeah those are some basic very very first steps in order to
0: yeah there's some sites too that you can test your email deliverability with too right do you yeah uh,
1: mail-tester.com is a, is a good one it's free i think pretty soon we're probably going to launch one on sender's website as well
0: don't we'll wait for that up. though. If you have a
1: problem now, you should go to mail. Tester. <laughs> I think it's mail tester.com. Mail tester.com, I think. Yeah, it it a great shows
0: up on top of Google search results. I've used that one a few times too.
1: Yeah.
0: Nice. Right, and so then, uh, yeah, obviously avoiding like spammy language too, right? Is Is there any like big like keywords that really definitely send you to spam, like free money? <laughs> obviously, you don't want to say that one.
1: Yeah, there's the combination of words and messed up dns records or anything that kind of comes off as deceptive or aggressive can definitely trigger spam so things like click here and you put click in here as a link or a link that's a redirect so the link doesn't go directly where it's supposed to go or the words free all in caps dollar signs things like that are sort of obvious yeah Uh, there are tools unaffiliated with me there's one called Lavender, lavender.ai, which helps you mm-hmm. f- helps you rewrite your emails in a way that are a little bit more persuasive and also avoid language that can trigger things, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And then there are other tools out there that are spam, word checkers that can work pretty well for that purpose too.
0: Yeah, yeah I feel like a lot of people might even fall for that one you said, click here and hyperlinking that. <laughs> it seems like an you know obvious CTA almost, but...
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean... It, If it's an age domain and you've been doing emails for a long time at a pretty consistent volume, maybe that doesn't cause a problem. If it's a relatively newer domain and you haven't done a lot of emailing, then maybe it will cause problems. It's not, they don't universally apply to everyone. And that's a little bit frustrating for folks. Same thing with images in an email. For example, if if you've had a footer for years and years and years and it has no problems, then you spin up a new brand and you throw a footer that has a image in it, maybe that sends all your emails to spam. And you're like, but I've been using the same footer for years. It's like, well, you know, it's not the same. It's just not the same. Something changes, everything changes.
0: You have a pretty interesting stance on hard questions as well too. Right? So I think uh, people watching this should have uh, some hard questions about whether their email deliverability is working. Right. But um, I guess, what is the meaning of hard questions uh, for you actually? And how do you apply it to your business?
1: So I had a friend who told me the old expression "hard questions, easy life; easy questions, hard life." You ever heard that expression, Andy? Uh,
0: yes, and different different phrases, but I totally agree with it.
1: <laughs> so I, I kind of like most of those phrases. I was like, "Yeah, whatever. That's that's you know kind of uh, BS or whatever."
0: Philosophy fan myself because there's a lot in a even a sentence that there's a whole story and meaning behind it. And I love them. Sure.
1: Well, what happened was I was my friend said that to me and I contemplated on it. And I was like, you know what, that's really interesting. For one week, I'm only gonna ask hard questions. Like, what does that even mean? So in every situation I got into, I would ask myself, what is the sort of elephant in the room question? Like, What is the question that really changes the dynamic, but also gets to the heart of something? And I really like concentrated on that. And I found that a lot of things got a lot easier. Yeah. Um, for example, if you have a team member that you feel like is underperforming, yeah. If you just come out with the hard question, like, I feel like you're underperforming,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what is going on? Or oftentimes do- oftentimes you've asked the hard question and you get the, the answer, and then they open up to you in a way that helps you understand what's going on. Or the opposite of like, I feel like I'm failing as a CEO. Do you sense yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Or something that's like, wow damn but so i think that trying to figure out what the hard question is i'm not talking about being aggressive or or uh you know
0: what's getting to the root of the issue and the problem so you could actually solve it right if you're going to stick your head in the sand you're not going to accomplish anything um you know it's so important life just to kind of strip through the layers of the onion to get to the core of it and just look at what the actual problem is and then you can work backwards from there to figure out how to effectively solve it but if you're blind to what problem is or what the root cause is, you're never going to, you're never going to resolve the issue. It's just going to proliferate.
1: Yeah. And with clients too, I mean, asking the question of, are we winning or losing?
0: Yeah. You know, I was like saying, great. I don't want to be right. I just want to win. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know about that expression, but yeah.
0: Well, it's it, a lot of people want to be right and they don't, you know, winning is solving the problem, right? So there's oh, a I difference hitting and trying to look right and you know be right all the time but like um you know like you said asking the hard questions if you want to win you have to ask the hard questions and you might not necessarily look right or you know you might not be the most popular guy in the room but you just got to get to the issue and you got to solve it so you know if yeah. you want to win of course yeah makes sense but um i guess what's next for senders uh where, where do you see the company in coming years we, we mentioned five in the pre-call and he said that's too long. So uh, what's going I, on in months? That's we're, so we're, t-
1: we're laser focused on solving sending and delivery problems right now for clients and then making sure that 2024 can be a very solid year for all of our clients and they're sending. That's, that's sort of all we care about. Google's changing rules come February. That's interesting. We're the ones who are responsible for that for our clients. They don't want to think about what those rule changes mean. We're in charge of that. So those are really important things for us. And we're going to be focusing very heavily in 2024 and making sure that all of our clients get all the tools, all the settings, everything they need in order to be able to keep their emails going in the way that they want and need and succeed with it. So that's our immediate focus. And, uh, you know, every year always surprises. I think that everything seemed normal until 2020 and then no years have ever been how we imagined it.
0: Yeah, it's... Uh been an interesting times. So, i don't know what age you are too like you mentioned with me but uh we've been through a lot in the last decade and a half so you know i consider myself a millennial so
1: yeah i'm uh i guess i'm i'm a millennial i'm an elder millennial
0: yeah me too i'm on the upper i'm 38 how old are you i'm 38 also oh happy birthday i <laughs> just kidding yeah i'll
1: be 39 in february
0: nice uh, i'm just turning 38 next week actually so it's gonna be on thanksgiving whatever. so i'm your
1: elder It makes sense i have a little bit more experience than you do
0: yeah, I know, right? Well, you've been in New York longer than me, so that's probably why. <laughs> Hard knock life. <laughs> um, so, I guess anybody uh, interested in your services, you know, who should come to you and why should they come to you? Sure.
1: Anyone's having email questions, issues, B two B sending, sending from Google Workspace, seeing any issues? Feel free to stop by. You can find me on LinkedIn. I post some things that you know are interesting or post not interesting or upset people or don't upset people or whatever (laughs) there. And then, uh, Benny at senders.co and, uh, anywhere else that makes sense.
0: That's perfect. Well, um, Benny, it's been a great chatting with you. Uh, we'll probably have to catch up in, uh, Brooklyn. Uh, when I get back to New York, probably sometime in the next two weeks. Um, it would be good to meet you in person, but, uh, yeah, definitely. And uh, we look forward to working more with your business. And anybody interested in uh, checking out Senders, uh, please uh, visit their website. At, I believe it's Senders.co. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Great. And uh, you could also check it out today in the uh, B2B SaaS marketplace. Uh, Nacho Nacho is the best place to buy SaaS. Uh, once again, uh, thanks so much for coming on today, Benny. And anybody interested in uh, solving their email deliverability issues, don't hesitate. Um, come on by. Come over to Benny's place. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, bud. Bye. Bye. Cool. That was kind of fun.